to glory to glory. The radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the word together. If you can please turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. The title of the message this morning is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Obviously, this is the Christmas story we're going to look at. Some say that this is the greatest story ever told, and I I believe it is. It's the greatest story ever told, the, the fact that the Son of God, God the Son, became man. He clothed himself in humanity, and he came to the earth to save sinners, to save us. He left his glory. He left all of his majesty. He left heaven. He, he came down and he became a man to save us, to save mankind. And it's uh, the Christmas story. It's a wonderful story. And I'll tell you, I love this story. I love the reminder that God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, that he sent his son down. Can you imagine that? God himself became a man. And I, I just think through that, you know, the Christmas story, and I think of, you know, if I was God and I had, you know, you know thinking, you know, here's God, here's God the Son in the presence of, of the Father's glory, in the presence of the angels, and, and to become a man, I, I would think that if, you know, just my puny thought, my puny, you know, my brain is so small, but, you know, I think that I would become a man, I would just go down to the earth just like a man, I wouldn't, you know, become a baby, and it's so fascinating that God the Son became a child. He became a baby. And he, he cried as a baby. He was raised by his parents and, and all that he went through. And it's just an amazing story. It's a wonderful story. So we're going to look at it. We're going to kind of zoom in on some little parts here and there. But I pray that this story blesses you today like never before because this story just keeps, for me, it keeps getting better and better and better all the time. Amen. Amen. Let's stand now. If we, I'm going to read it out loud, but let's go ahead and stand again if we can, just in reverence of God's wonderful word. So Matthew 1, verse 18, and it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, verse 25, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Lord God, again, we just pray you'd bless this wonderful message, this wonderful story, as we look at it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So here we have Joseph and Mary. It says they're betrothed. Basically, they were engaged, but it's different. You know, in their culture uh, back then, an engagement would take place. It was an arranged 
engagement. The, the parents would arrange a marriage for their children. And in their culture, I'm told that it would start even as early as five, six, seven, or eight years old. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine the little five-year-old say, oh, yeah, he's engaged to little Betty Sue over here. I was like, really? And they would have early engagements. They would, you know, they would arrange the marriage. The parents would get together. But then there was a period called the betrothal period. And it was a, a period that was legal. I mean, they were legally married at that point, but the marriage wasn't consummated yet. And it was a time, usually that, that time of betrothal lasted for about a year. And during that time, as we see this wonderful Christmas story, there's Joseph and Mary, you know, probably set up at an early age, the parents waiting for them to get married, and the family excited for them to come together and have that, that big celebration of marriage. And now they go through the betrothal period. Now they're thinking, oh, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. It's any time now. It's, you know, possibly within a year. And, and all the families are excited. And all of a sudden, Mary becomes pregnant. But they hadn't been married yet. And I'm sure Mary probably tried to explain to Joseph what happened and say, well, you don't understand. This is a, this is a God thing. This is, you know, the, there's, there was an angel that met with me, Gabriel. And he told me that I would have a, a, a miracle child. And he said that the Holy Spirit would overshadow me. The power of the Most High will, will come upon me. And then I'll, I'll have a child. And I'm sure she tried to explain this to Joseph. And Joseph, you know, f thought through these things and thought, well, this, this doesn't make sense. So he tried to put her away secretly, as we read in our story. He tried to, you know, go through a divorce uh, process without anybody really finding out too much about this whole thing. He, he wanted to keep it on the low. He wanted it to be hush-hush. He, he didn't want her to get killed for what she did because back then she could have been stoned to death for adultery. He was a just man. He was a godly man. He didn't want to see her hurt. He loved her, but he was confused. How can this be? And I'm sure thinking that she was unfaithful in the marriage and in the betrothal period and, and thinking through all these things. And then all of a sudden in a dream, an angel meets with Joseph and says, Joseph, guess what? It's okay. She's not lying to you. She's telling you the truth. Don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, just as she said. And here's Joseph. He he has this dream, and he believes now at that point that this truly is the fact that there was, there's, there's going to be a virgin birth. Do you know that it's, it's essential as Christians that we believe in the virgin birth of Jesus? You know, there's many churches that they don't believe in the virgin birth. They think, well, you know, that's, well, that's really not. She was a young maiden. She wasn't a virgin. And they go through all these things. They try to pull that word apart. But, but no, this is making it very clear. They did not come together yet, and she was with child this was a virgin birth. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So it's important. It's essential as our faith to believe that this story is true, that, the, that Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit, that Mary was given a miracle child, the Son of God, the Messiah, God in the flesh, Emmanuel. Do you believe that? I pray so. Do you remember hearing that uh, the talk show host, Larry King? Remember Larry King Live? He, asked a question, he, he was asked a question, if he could interview one person in all history, who would that one person be? That was in 1998, I believe. So he was asked that question. Larry King answered the question and said that I would interview Jesus Christ. And then he was asked, well, what would you ask Jesus if you had an interview with him? 
And he said, I would ask him if he, if he was indeed virgin born. And he said, quote, the answer to that question would define history for me. Even Larry King understands that the virgin birth is a big deal. It is a big deal. The story that we're reading is true. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin named Mary. Back in our text, it, in verse 18 and verse 20, it speaks of the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the Holy Spirit. The, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit in verse 18. Verse 20, the angel spoke to Joseph and told Joseph that that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had, you know, had a big part in this, obviously, in this birth. And I want to, you know, as I look at that, you know, being this child being born of the Holy Spirit. And the reality is, as believers, when we become born again, it's very interesting to me, we are born of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. The, the same Holy Spirit that, that we we're reading about here that, that overshadowed Mary, that she would have the God child, the, the Son of God in her womb. Well, that same person of the Holy Spirit. Some people, you know, they, they talk about the Holy Spirit like it's just this force, the Holy Spirit, the force of the, you know, may the force be with you or something crazy like that. But no, the Holy Spirit is a person. And throughout the scripture, we see that it's he. It's, it's, the Holy Spirit is called him. He, the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit, as believers, lives inside of us. And I've been, you know, kind of pondering, you know, the, the, the wonderful verse in John 1.12, where it says, as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And, I, and that's in the, uh, the New King James Version. And I'm like, wow, I love that. You know, we receive him and he gives us the right to become children of God. And it's just a, it's just a wonderful thing. But in the King James Version, I love the translation. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become sons of God. And the reason why I point that out, and this was the other night, I was kind of pondering this verse and realizing that we have the power of God's Holy Spirit living in us to become children of God. We, we're adopted in the family. We have the power, the same Holy Spirit that we're reading about here empowers us as believers. And I just want to, before we go back into the story, I want to remind us that we have the power of the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life, that God gives us his power. And I want to, this morning, as we look at the Christmas message, to remind us as believers that we're to be men and women of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we're to be men and women that walk in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. In other words, we're to be those that are not allowing the power of sin to overcome our lives. He gives us power to become children of God. That's, that's the big difference. We don't have religion, right, folks? We have a relationship with God, but we don't just have a relationship because we believe intellectually, we believe mentally, oh, God is real, and that's all good. We were to have an understanding of that, but also it's more than just an intellectual relationship we have. We have the power of him living inside of us to live this life that he's called us to live. And my question is to all of us, are we living in the power of his Holy Spirit? He'd like us to live in the power of his Holy Spirit. So that was just a little side thing. So back in our text, if you can look with me, please. Verse 21. So the angel speaking, saying, And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So the angel meets with Joseph and says, Don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. She's going to bring forth a son. His name is Jesus. I want you to name this child Jesus. But then he says, For he will save his people from their sins. 
When we think of Jesus Christ coming to the earth and we think about what is the reason? Why did Jesus Christ come to the earth? Well, we have one of the reasons right here why Jesus Christ came to the earth to save his people from their sins. One of the reasons why Jesus came to this earth was to save us from sin. Sin separates us from God. When Adam, the first man that was born on this earth, when, when Adam was on the earth, he had fellowship with God. He, he walked with God in the cool of the day. He, he communed with God. He had fellowship. He spoke with God. But when he sinned, that he died spiritually. Sin brought spiritual death. Well, this child is going to come to, to take away the sin because the sin, sin separates us from God. So this child came to take away the sin that separates and I don't know about you, but I, I rejoice in that fact that God takes away my sin. He died to take away your sin. Because there's only one thing that can separate, and I hope all of us understand, only one thing can separate you from a holy God, and that one thing is called sin. Paul the Apostle said, basically, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Can death separate us? Can, and he names all these different things. He says, no, nothing can separate us from God. And only one thing can separate you from God. And it's sin, but guess what? Jesus came to save us from our sin. Jesus came to take it away from us. The, the penalty of sin, he came to take away. There's a penalty of sin. So you say, well, why do I need my sin taken away? Well, because the Bible says there's a penalty for sin. Remember in Romans 6.23, for the wages or penalty of sin is death. So that means death, eternal death. Because you're a sinner, you're, you're, you're going to have eternal death. You're going to suffer death for all eternity, and you're going to suffer eternal death, which is condemnation. It's, it's, it means that when people die without Jesus Christ, there's a place called hell. But the wages of sin is death. He died to take away that penalty. And then it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he came to take away the penalty of sin. He came away to take the power of sin. I believe there's many people in the church that say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. I, I said a prayer back in 1974, and I, and I meant that prayer. And, but then they, they, they don't have power. They, they're still walking in their sin. They're not experiencing the, the power of the Holy Spirit, power over sin. God gives us power over that. Jesus came. That's one of the reasons why he came to the earth to give us not only to take away the penalty of sin so we don't suffer in, in, for all eternity and not only the penalty of sin that keeps us away from God, but also the power of sin. Does sin rule over you this morning? Does sin rule over your life? God wants to take away the power of sin over you. And he has power to give you through his Holy Spirit. But only that, the presence of sin. And I believe that's going to be, you know, when we get to heaven, no more sin. How many are looking forward to that? I, I am looking forward to that one day. Two hands with Andrew. He's like, two hands. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Can you imagine when we get to heaven, there's going to be no more presence of sin. It's gone. No more temptations anymore when we get to heaven. I've heard pastors once say, you know, um, years ago, a pastor on TV saying, you know, he says, he's, 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 I never sin. <laughs> it's like, you liar, you're sinning right now, you're lying. <laughs> the Bible even says, if you say you have no sin, you make him a liar. You and I, till the day we die, like it or not, which I don't like it, but it's a fact, we are going to have temptation to the day we die. When we become Christians, it's not like we just float on this cloud, oh, this doesn't bother me, I'm just... Holier than everybody, we're going to heaven. No. But one day, sin will be gone. When we walk into his presence, when we're absent from this body and we're in the presence of the Lord, 
the presence of sin will be gone. He takes away the penalty of sin. He takes away the power of sin. And one day he will take away the presence of sin. It'll be done away with. I had a counseling appointment the other day, marriage counseling. It was an awesome time just kind of sharing scripture with this couple, this young couple. And make a long story short, at the end of the counseling time that we had together, they both committed their lives to Christ and prayed to receive Jesus. In the presence of God, it was just a wonderful thing just to see the hand of the Lord there in our midst. And if they meant the prayer, you know, that's, that's between them and God. They, I believe they did, but that's between them and God. But if they meant the prayer that they prayed to commit their life to Christ, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to turn away from their sins, at that point, the penalty of their sin was gone, taken away. The power of sin is taken away. They, sin has no more power over them. And one day the presence of sin will be gone as they enter into heaven. His mission, he came to take away the sins of the world. He came to take away that sin. I'll tell you, the, the Christmas play, how many people have gone out to the Christmas play so far here? Can you raise your hand up, Rob? Good deal, quite a few. Wasn't it awesome? And as I mentioned earlier, at the end of every performance, we share the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And at every performance, by the grace of God, people raise their hands to receive Christ. And, and then even, you know, I know myself and Pastor Chad, we just had everybody pray. And I noticed some people that I know that uh, have never made a profession of faith, they were praying prayers. So they were saying, yes, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come live in. So maybe they might not have raised their hand, but they, in their heart, they're saying, they're saying a prayer. If they meant that prayer, then God will save them from their sins. It's not about, oh, I raised my hand or I stood up this way. It's not our position. It's of our outward self. It's not if we put a hand up. It's not if we stand up. It's not. It's a position of our heart. Do we really accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior? And he came to save them from sin. He came to save us from that. And he wants to do that every day for us, to save us from that sin. So a reminder tonight, please, if you haven't come out, come on out. Bring people that uh, need Jesus. And it's a wonderful performance. And another thing, before we get too far as we talk about the Christmas story and we're talking about why he came to take away sin, he also came to take away the guilt of sin. Do you know that sin brings guilt and shame, condemnation? So not only does he take away that penalty, does it, he takes away the presence someday when we get into heaven, but, but he, he also he, he takes away the guilt of sin. Have you ever walked into a room and your dog's, you know, jumped on the table, you put your, your food out, and it's on the table, and the dog jumps up on the table, and he's eating your food, and you walk in the, in the room, you're like, what did you do? Do you ever do that? And the dog just puts his head down like this. And you're like, that was my dinner. You know, the dog just keeps walking around like this and looks up, and you're, I mean, he, he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't help myself. You know, I was like, right? But I've never seen a dog, I've never seen this before. Do you ever see a dog for weeks just keep his head down like this? I can't believe I did that last week. I can't believe two weeks ago I ate the master's food. I can't believe it. You don't see that. It's gone. The guilt's gone. You yell at him. It's just, he doesn't, it's like, like he carries the guilt around. You never see a dog just carrying the guilt around. Oh, woe is me. No, it's gone. But as humans, we carry guilt around with us without the cross. And I know people, I've seen people like that. They're like, you can't even put their head up. You talk to them like, oh, they can't even look you in the eye. You know, oh, hi, pastor. How you doing? Nice to see you, pastor. Nice to see you. Really? 
with guilt and shame. But, he, but Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, when you confess your sin, you give your sin to the Lord, the enemy wants to come in and condemn you and bring shame. If you've confessed it to the Lord, I love that verse. For if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He comes to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. He takes it away. He takes away the guilt of our sin. He takes away the shame of our sin. And we repent. It doesn't mean we have a ticket to go, oh, let's go back. I'm forgiven. Let's go back. Let's do it again. No. You confess it to him. You give it to him. You, you, put, upon the, you put it upon the cross of Calvary and you realize the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, washes us from all of our unrighteousness and he cleanses us from all of our sin. I read a story about a woman who waited to the last minute to send out her Christmas cards and she looked at her list. She had like, she had 49 friends to, to send Christmas cards to. So she rushed to the store. She bought a packet of 50 and she didn't even look at the message inside, inside of it. So she just opened them up and signed them real quick and sent them all out, you know, dropped them in the mail. And then finally on Christmas day, she had a little downtime and she was calmed down and all. And so she, she stopped and she opened up one of the cards that was left and she read the card. It says, this card is just to say, a little gift is on the way. <laughs> so she realized she sent out 40 cards to her friends that they're expecting gifts, but they're never going to get a gift. <laughs> Talk about feeling a little guilty, right? Great verse that goes with this. Hebrews 10.21 it says, in having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true or sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. When we go before the throne of God, we can go in there with full confidence of faith, realizing he's there to wash away our sin, but also to, as it says, that our hearts would be sprinkled from an evil conscience. Is your heart washed and cleansed from an evil conscience? That's what he wants to do. He wants to wash it away. Another great verse that goes with this. 1 John 3.20 says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Isn't that a great verse? If your heart is condemning you today, guess what? God's greater than your heart. God wants to forgive you. God wants to take it away. God wants to take away the guilt. God wants to take away the shame. God wants to take it away that you can walk in full confidence of who you are in Christ. You're a child of God, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I believe too many Christians are out there and they're not being used because they're under so much guilt and condemnation from the enemy. And I just say, run to the cross. And once you do, realize you're forgiven and walk with all the boldness and confidence in Christ that he gives you. That's part of our Christmas story. That's what he came to do. That was one of the reasons for his coming. Verse 23, back in our text, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. I remember the first time I read this, and I was like, um, wait a second, they're call his name Jesus, and then they're going to call him Emmanuel. And I remember as a baby Christian thinking, well, is, is his name Jesus or is his name Emmanuel? Is there a contradiction here? Is there, you know, what's his name? No, his name is Jesus, meaning the Hebrew word would be Joshua, which means the Lord is our salvation. But I believe if you look at it closely, it doesn't say his name is Emmanuel. It says, they shall call his name Emmanuel. 
And I believe these, they're talking, this is talking descriptively. They're, when the people are in the, the presence of Jesus Christ, they're going to realize, I was in the presence of God. God is with me. Speaking descriptively, they will say, the people that come in contact with him shall call his name Emmanuel. They'll say, God has been with me. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.